Well, good evening. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we're at six days? Six days? All right. It's been an interesting week. Uh, if you've missed any of these meetings, I think you've really missed out a lot. Last night was wonderful and quite a blessing hearing John and Elizabeth. But each night has revealed some things, and I know some hearts have been moved. Tonight, it's kind of like we're coming at you, all right, I'm going to take the gloves off a little bit, but we're going to do it lovingly. So tonight, Renee and Alvi are going to share a little deeper, a little more information, but also a little more about how much God does when we need him so much. Amen. So I will turn it over to you two. And here we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll begin with a prayer, okay? Father, here we are, a group of your children. We're coming because we all need you so very much, Lord. And now we want to receive from you counsel, encouragement, forgiveness, hope, and faith. We need all of that from you, Lord. So we ask that you will be in our hearts and minds. Help us to connect with what is important. Help us to focus on the amazing message that you left through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, welcome. Keep on coming, okay? There's plenty of room here in the front. Yeah, and I'm glad that you are sitting closer. If anybody that is toward the back wants to come closer, that will make us feel even better. Thank you. Choosing, choosing the impossible. The impossible. Is that true? Forgiveness. Is that impossible? Well, for human beings alone, it is impossible. In many cases. But what Jesus teaches us is an amazing, amazing truth. And uh, we'll start with the very first, I don't know if we can move this, I think it, it got stuck. Hmm? Okay, there. Okay. Here we go. Thank you for coming uh, to spend this time with the Lord and with each other. Um, I think the Lord has something wonderful for us tonight. Uh, before going into the presentation, I would like to share with you that we have here um, audios of two parts of our testimony. Uh, one is learning to love when the Lord teaches me how to live in the spirit that I, cannot, I couldn't love Renee anymore. And I knew I needed to depend totally in God in me through the Holy Spirit to do it. So had the Lord taught me that, 
isn't it in the city learning to love? Probably we don't have one for everybody, but a few. And you can come and ask for them. And the other one is forgiveness and healing of trauma, if some of you may be interested. And then we have a handout, very simple, uh, two pages. One page is with scriptures regarding uh, mercy and forgiveness. How we are encouraged, we are taught by God to forgive in the basis of his love and mercy toward us. And he says that you have freely received, freely give. So here we have the scriptural challenge to do the impossible. And then we know that what is impossible for us is possible for Jesus, right? And then there is a page of a few quotations from Ellen White. We could have pages and pages and pages. I want you to know something. When she wrote, the inspiration came usually sometimes in general counsel, but sometimes specific counsel for somebody. But she said the specific counsel is for anybody. The principles of the counsel apply. For example, if she gives a counsel to the children, the counsel for the children apply for a grandma like me. The principles are the same. If the counsel is for the mother, a wife, a husband, a doctor, a leader, a pastor, the principles that the Holy Spirit gives for them in their life for the formation of character applies to everybody. The same is in the Bible. So at the end, we'll give you this. And now, uh, I want to especially welcome Linda again, everybody, but Linda, um, precious friend uh, that we had been friends for years in 1990, more or less. The Lord brought us together through Pacific Health. And what is your last name? Your, um, what do I want to say? Are you Josh? No. No, behind Gabriel, your name. Yes, so happy that you're here. Very happy that you're here. Haven't seen you the rest of the week, so I'm, I'm happy. Huh? Okay, maybe I didn't see you, so I'm sorry. Okay. About 25 years ago, over 25 years ago, they invited us from Texas to go to a camp meeting in Redwoods. And at that time, we were pretty young. We were really struggling in the relationship. We were going two different directions. Um, uh, Renee was getting more and more resentful with me, and I was going. <sighs> and you know, when we become resentful, those things come out. And, and so we had been asked to talk about living in the spirit. And that was the time when I was saying, Lord, how, how do I relate? How do I respond? How do I love? How, do, how am I patient? How do I not react? And he was saying, it's me in you through the Holy Spirit. Ask and you will receive. Confess what is not of me and ask what is of me. And so I was in this practice. Um, it was probably the third day of our presentations. It was amazing. We were in sync. Everything was peaceful. We had worked out things uh, pretty well. And you know, that's not easy. Um, and so, all of a sudden, this night, I wake up about 
two or three in the morning, and um, I cannot sleep. We have this small, full-size bed, and I didn't want to wake Renee up. So I decided to get up slowly, go to the restroom, change, and go for a walk. You know, Redwoods, what is the little town, Willits or something like that, pretty close. And it was a little low type of motel, one of the only ones that they have, you know. And as I opened the door to go out, I was shocked with the, the my senses were shocked by what I saw. There was this thick fog, just set like a thick cloud, just about um, two feet above my head. It, it covered everything. Underneath, you could see, but it was heavy on you. And it was a sensation like, oh, I almost cannot breathe. What is this? I never experienced that. And I said, oh my God, Lord. And the impression came back, not an audible voice, but this is the thought that I entered my mind. This is my people. They live with a dark, heavy cloud on them. And it was so heavy in my spirit, the message of the Lord, and the, and the senses, what we're perceiving, and the two things together, that I began to cry. And, and he was revealing that through resentment, through roots of bitterness, over little things. Because you're this way, because you didn't that, you know, little things. We begin to accumulate roots of bitterness. And it gets worse and worse. And we are not capable of humbling ourselves and say, you know, Julie, I have this inside of me and I'm so sorry, you have not done anything wrong. Has it happened to you that really people have not done any, anything really wrong, but because we are different, right? And we are annoyed, frustrated. I just had counseling with a young man and, 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 and I, I said, what's going on? And I asked for different members of the family and how are things going with your mom? And his demeanor, he's very quiet and his demeanor, I said, something is wrong. What's going on? He didn't want to talk. I, I said, I think we need to, to explore this. And gently exploring, it happened that he started having resentful thoughts since he was three, four years old and resentful feelings towards his mother. And now he's coming like a harness of heart and a detachment. I don't want to have anything to do with you. How painful for him, for the mother, and probably the mother has expressed, experienced the same thing. So now, let's come together. Why? The next one, please. Oh, you put it already. Mm -hmm. Because forgiveness is an essential part of the gospel. See, Jesus left heaven, became a human being, put aside being God, he became a human being for one purpose, to go all the way to the cross, to take on himself our heart, our nature, our sin, sinfulness and everything, to give us his nature. In that early morning, when I woke up close to Redwood, 
The red was in the Northern California. God said, God spoke and revealed to me that most of the Seventh-day Adventist members are going to be lost because of root of bitterness. Because of the heaviness of the things that are in the spirit. Oh, we keep on smiling and we greet each other and all that. But the heart is wicked. And, and we don't go to Jesus to say, search my heart, Lord. We just read a pretend. And it happens in our families, between husband and wife, parents and children, children and parents, and it happens among the church. Often there are real pain, horrendous pain, horrendous traumas that need to be forgiven. But Jesus, the moment he died and resurrected and went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, he made available to all of us the power to deliver us. It's not a matter that we need to continue with that dark, heavy cloud on us. He wants to deliver us and to fill us with his life, his joy, and a river of love that flows to everybody and hinder water that is not contaminated, murky waters with roots of bitterness. So the Lord put a burden in my heart that we needed to continually in the ministry deal with issues of bitterness and issues of mercy and forgiveness. We were in a church and uh, as we, after the presentation, open it up because we can share some things, but if we don't give time for the Holy Spirit that you can respond to the Holy Spirit and what he told you, um, we are just leaving the work halfway. It's just like opening somebody for surgery and not taking the tumor out, closing it up and say, go home. This needs to be eradicated and it's eradicated through confession. So uh, there in the church, we invited anybody who would like to, to confess root of bitterness towards somebody. And people began to come in many churches, everybody comes. And we give opportunities. Sometimes it's children that ask forgiveness from mom and dad for being angry and bitter and resentful and, and for being rebellious. All those things need to be cleansed, and they are not cleansed unless we confess. If we confess our sins, the Lord forgives us and cleans us. Isn't it beautiful? And I believe that even children understand that, right? It's so precious. And then we ask for the opposite spirit, the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me love and kindness to our mom and dad. And so there we are, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, a man that was probably 35, 40, started crying, and it was a cry that it was tearing him down, and he couldn't contain himself, and he was shaking, and everybody stopped, you know. He, now, we knew that something marvelous was happened, but something very painful. So many men came around him and put their arms, and Rene went to him, and when he finally could talk, he said, I saw my father kill my mother when I was three years old in front of me, and I could not do anything. And I have care inside of me that pain and that hate 
and I want to give it to Jesus. And he gave it to Jesus. He confessed it. Isn't that amazing that those things that have been done to us, Jesus said, bring them to me and confess them. What you feel inside, and he confessed, and he was healed, he was delivered. It, it was amazing. In another place, a lot of healing was going on, and, and in one break, I'm sitting on the side and quietly meditating, and a beautiful woman, about 40 years old, comes, and very classy, and and she says, I would like to share my testimony with you. And, and she said, um, when I was a little girl, um, my parents gave me um, for money to be used by men. And I hated them, and I wanted to die. I escaped. I became attached to a young guy, um, not so young, and he also raped her and abused her. And she should, so she finally came. She was from Central America, from Guatemala. And finally, here in the States, she met Jesus. She met the Jesus that left heaven and that died for her to take from her heart to heal her pain if she gave it to him. Say, here, Jesus, I have a pain that I don't know how to deal with it. And Jesus is acquainted with our sorrows and our pain. So he says, give it to me. And she said, she gave it to him. And she gave the hate and the feelings of being alone and angry with everybody. But now she met Jesus. And Jesus took all of this and gave her the spirit of love and mercy. And when the Holy Spirit fills a person with love and mercy and compassion, it puts humility in the person. And the person then begins to think like her about dad and mom that hurt her so bad. And the Holy Spirit reveals that they didn't know Jesus, right? and that they needed Jesus, that it would be good for her to go back home to forgive dad and mommy and to tell them about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So by the power of the Holy Spirit, she buys a ticket and goes back home and visits with dad and mommy. She's not throwing it at her at them. She's not telling them you were awful parents and you hurt me so bad because she had already given that to Jesus. She didn't know, she didn't need to make their parents feel, her parents feel bad. So she said, you know why I came? I came to tell you about Jesus. How he left heaven and came to, to die for all of us. And you guys didn't know him, but I would like you to meet Jesus and talk to them about Jesus. And they were converted. And they asked for forgiveness. Isn't it beautiful? Forgiveness is an essential aspect of the gospel. And there are many portions and many things that we could talk about forgiveness, when, how, what to do, and also 
how to ask forgiveness because that's the other face of forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. But tonight, we will just talk about extending forgiveness, even extreme forgiveness like the folks we talked about. There are so many things we could uh, talk. Actually, I was 38, 38 years of age when I discovered that I had trauma. I had not been aware of that before. And I had to experience the, what I was actually trying to teach others, that I needed to forgive my daddy. So sometimes we don't even know we have to forgive. We may be unaware of that. We'll move to the next one. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but... Can we get to the next one? There we go. All babies are so precious. Isn't that right? But, but the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you like that baby? It's a nice baby, right? Do you know who he is? Hmm? There you go. Hitler. You realize that the Bible is saying something that is so truth. So true. Is when our we may look really nice, but unless our hearts are changed, we are wicked. And we need to realize that and go through the process of forgiveness. The Bible says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That means human beings. That's not our enemies. But against principalities. What's that? That's Satan, the devil. Against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's your fight and that's my fight. That's the fight we need to win. And through Jesus, we can win because he makes it possible. I don't know if this is going to work eventually. It's not working. Can we get more again? Oh, boy. There we go. And we have so many. There we go. The definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitudes regarding an offense. Let's go of the negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Now, that's a secular definition. You can find it in Google, okay? Now, there is a lot of study done in connection with forgiveness. It's an amazing subject right now. If you put in Amazon.com the word forgiveness, you know how many books are going to come up? Almost 15,000. That tells you how people are writing on the subject because it's a very needed subject. People need to hear about that. So um, let me just mention to you about the next one, please. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Robert Enright. He has a book there uh, that he wrote, Forgiveness is a Choice. And there is a quotation I want to show you to see the importance of this. And let's see if we can move it. Yes. The quotation is by Richard Fritzbund. 
And he says, the research on forgiveness by Robert Enright and his colleagues at the University of Wisconsin may be as important to the treatment of emotional and mental disorders as the discovery of penicillin was to the treatment of infectious diseases. Now, this comparison is extremely powerful because penicillin was one of the greatest discoveries last century. And he's comparing that discovery with the studies that have been done by Robert Enright and many others, okay? Right here in California, we have a university, uh, Stanford University, that has a whole department that studies the concept of forgiveness. And they are writing books, one after the other. I have several books from, from uh, Fred Luskin, who is the, the dean of that department. And it's amazing what they say and what they find out. So we Christians, who really are more closely connected to the subject, don't you think we need to talk more often about that and become more practice? We need to practice really what the Bible teaches us. For example, Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Notice what it goes on. It says, Forgive us our debts. That's about the, the Lord's Prayer. Remember that? We know it by heart, right? And then he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then Christ clarifies that a little down. And he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if God doesn't forgive me, the fact that because I did not forgive somebody else, if God doesn't forgive me, can I be saved? Because I'm not forgiven. You see, I cannot be saved. This person that are saved are forgiven by God, forgiven. And God says, if you forgive, I'll forgive you too. In one of the quotations in this handout, you'll find the reference that we may come into conversion, we may give our sins to the Lord, we may have been forgiven by God, but then an event comes, and we harden our heart, and we refuse to forgive. Then we lose the forgiveness of God. Because unless we forgive, we are not forgiven. So we are saying to God, we don't care that you forgave me. So I'm not going to forgive. And the Lord says, I'm sorry. You're rejecting my forgiveness. This and is John serious stuff. John 13, uh, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And you know, that kind of a love is, is an extreme love even to the death, you see? And that's something that God only can create in us. Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies. And then he says, Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, that's all horrible. And Jesus says, forgive them, love them. How can we do that? You know, and then it's in, in uh, chapter, uh, Matthew 5, 46, he explains even more. He says, for if you love those who love you, that's very easy, right? Anybody can do it. Love those that love you. He says, even the tax collectors do that. He wants us to love those who are unlovable because that will show that we have him inside us, his love, his spirit. But I cannot do it on my own. I need to have him in my heart. Now, at this moment, I'm going to share with you uh, something that you probably, uh, I don't know if you heard it or not. Possibly not. This is Pastor Mark Finley. 
the, one of the things that have impacted my life and have confirmed the journey into forgiveness and how God wants to bring this as a universal uh, way of dealing with life. I don't know how many of you uh, read of the um, genocide in Rwanda in the 1990s. Where 1994. They, where the Hutus and the Tutsis, there were two in two different occasions. Well, you know that that affected even our church. Uh, there were leaders in About our About 100,000 Adventists died. Yeah, but on, on the side of those that killed were Adventists too, including leaders. It was a horrendous thing. And, and think that if we don't have clean hearts and we don't forgive somebody, one day we'll be out killing. Because the unforgiveness is murder. Okay, is the, the extreme lack of love. So, the, so many terrible things happen. And Mark Finley goes to visit Rwanda, and goes to visit the Adventists, and see what he is going on, and then he, he goes to visit a woman. One of the many, many stories, there are many books I, I have and I have shared, and it has helped some of you to forgive some extreme situations. Because I wanted to know, when there was killing, before the killing, there was rape. There was rape of men and women, and then the killing. And then all these people that were taken into prison, now they are coming out of prison back to their uh, villages where the enemies had burned and killed the families. Do you know that there is a worldwide coalition of different religions, including Adventists, that are working with the government, government in what is called Forgiveness Project? And it's considered a model not only for countries, but for all the world, for us Christians. In the early 1990s, one of the most horrible events in the history of the world occurred, the genocide in Rwanda. In that genocide, Hutus battling against Tutsis, a million people were killed in less than nine months. When the genocide began, there were 380,000 Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists in Rwanda. When it ended, 100,000 were dead. In six months, 100,000 Adventists were slain. Not because they were Adventists, but because they were part of the Minari tribe. In recent years, I've traveled to Rwanda on a number of occasions, speaking in large stadiums. There are trials going on right now in Rwanda trying the killers. As we traveled there, I talked to my host, the union president, Eman Rutalinga, and I said, Pastor Rutalinga, did anybody of, that you know die in the genocide? He said, Pastor Mark, I was out preaching the day that the radio announcement came, cut down the tall trees. And when the radio announcement came, cut down the tall trees, tens of thousands of militia, largely young people with machetes, ran through the streets, killing every Tutsi they could see. The killing was so great that the bodies stacked up in the streets and dogs came and ate them. The killing was so great that they threw thousands of bodies into the river, and the river was clogged with bodies. Pastor Rutalinga was out preaching as union president. The militia came into the church, brought out his wife, 
his three children, his grandchildren, and killed him outside the church that day. I talked to the union, the conference president, did you lose anybody? He said, yes, I did. I said, who did you lose? He said, I lost my wife, my seven children. I talked to my driver, did you lose anybody? Yeah, I lost 47 members of my family. I'm the only one that survived. As I talked to them, Pastor Amandra Dalinga said to me, he said, Mark, I want you to meet a woman. And when you meet her, your life will be changed forever. His na her name is Adele Selfu. And so we got in the truck and we went out this rough road, back country, outside of Kigali in Rwanda. And Pastor Rutalinga told me the story as we went. This woman had been with her husband when the killers came and she held his hand as they put a machete and split his head open and as they hit him in the neck and they murdered him. She was there. And Pastor Amandra Dalinga said, Mark, I believe she will tell you the story. As I walked into her house, I saw a picture of her pastor, Seventh Adventist pastor, husband on the wall. And in respect, I simply walked over and stood and looked at the picture. And I thought about what it would be like if I were holding my wife's hand and somebody ran to me in the horror that she would go through as they split my head open with a machete. As we sat down, we made small talk for a while, and Mrs. Self, who came in the room, and I broached the subject very carefully. I said, Sister Selfu, I understand you were with your husband when the militia hacked him to death. It may be very difficult to talk about it, but would you like to share it with me? She began to cry, and she said, Pastor, I'll share it. She said, we got word that the militia was coming closer and closer to our village. We fled with 45 others to a Catholic church in the basement. We thought it would be a hiding place and they may go by the church. As we were in the basement, the militia came in with machetes. They began to hack and hack and hack. Actually, there were 60 people in the room. 45 were killed immediately. She said, I held my husband's hand and somebody came and just hit him with a machete and, I, and the blood from his head splat all over me. She said, it was horrible, Pastor. And then the person took the machete and hit me in the head. She pulled back her beautiful black hair and I saw a scar that began here and went down the center of her head. She said, Pastor, they then hit me in my wrist trying to chop off my wrist. She held up her wrist, it was just flapping around. She said, Pastor, then they hit me on the shoulder and, I, and she pulled down her dress a little bit and I saw the scar on her shoulder. She said, they left me for dead and I, my body lay among the dead bodies for three days. At the end of three days, the militia had moved on. So she said, villagers came to bury the dead. Somebody, before they buried me, felt my pulse, and I still had a pulse. So they took me. I was unconscious. They began to nurse me back. Pastor, I was in and out of hospitals for three years. By this time, the forces from outside of Rwanda that were in the Congo fought their way back, liberated the country, and they built 18 prisoners for the murderers, and they put 180,000 people in prison. Mrs. Selfo took three years to get back to health, but by now there was stability in the country. And she said to me, Pastor Mark, I have to make a decision of whether I'm gonna be a bitter, angry old woman or not.
And she said, I made a decision that my husband's death would not be in vain. I had the assurance beating in my heart that Jesus Christ was coming again and that the thing that my husband would want would be to go to minister to the killers. So, pastor, there's a prison not far from this village, and I became the mother of that prison. I would go in and bring blankets into the prison because of the cold nights. I would go in and bring food to the prison. I began studying the Bible with the prisoners. These were killers. One day, Pastor, I was in the prison. A young man fell at my feet, and he began to kiss my feet. And I looked at his face, and he said, Do you remember me? And she said, I wish I could get that face out of my mind. It was the young man in his early 20s that took the machete and chopped my husband's head in half. It was the young man. I never th knew he was in that prison. I never thought that I would see him again. It was the young man that took the machete and put the scar in my head and gave me such pain. And he said, would you forgive me? And she said, I picked him up and I hugged him and I said, I will forgive you. Pastor, I studied the Bible with him for six months. Pastor, he stood up before the whole prison and we assembled all the prisoners in the prison yard the day of his baptism and he confessed his sin. Pastor, we baptized him. Now, Pastor, he got amnesty after a few years and was let out of the prison. But here's the problem. His father and mother were killed in the genocide. He had no place to live. Pastor, I adopted him as my son. Would you like to meet him? My heart was beating. Beads of perspiration stood out of my head. I looked at the pastor's picture who this man had killed. I thought a killer was going to walk through the door. And Lewis walked through the door. A gentle smile on his face, a sparkle in his eyes, and Amon Rutilingas, rather, Mrs. Selfu walked over and put her arms around him. And she said, let me introduce you to my adopted son. She said, one day when Jesus comes, one day when Jesus comes, all the suffering will be worth it all. One day that Jesus comes, all the heartache will be worth it all. One day that Jesus comes, all the burdens will be worth it all. One day when Jesus comes, the past will be gone. She said, what inspires me is the forward look. Jesus is coming again. I can help it, but every time I hear this story, I have tears in my eyes. Amazing. Amazing. Only Jesus can transform the heart. And the rest of the story is not there, but she said, and he's about to get married. And uh, I'm preparing the wedding. Would you like to make, uh, meet his uh, girlfriend? And so she comes out. And the pastor meets now the girlfriend too. What a beautiful, what a beautiful testimony. I'll share a little bit of my story. You may know some of it. I was born in Argentina. I went to study to this university. Right now it's called the uh, Universidad Dentista del Plata, WAP, in Spanish. And um, when I was studying theology, I, I met Alvi, and it was, she, was, she was actually studying in, in, the, in, the, in the hospital there. This is Alvi. This is the week that we got married, okay, before, before the wedding. 
And uh, of course, she was studying in this hospital, which is at Adventist Hospital. And as we were dating, it was very difficult to see each other. So I'm not going to tell you the story, but uh, the only time that I could see her, if, if you know, was one time, uh, w once every two weeks in a professor's house under supervision for one hour. Now, you know, I wanted to talk with her every day, <laughs> and it was not possible. So I actually decided to have a surgery so I could see her. And, and I did. You know, I won't tell you the whole story, but it did happen. I had an appendectomy on purpose. I did not need it, okay? Uh, just to be there in the hospital with her. And um, uh, the thing is that we got married. Uh, and uh, I think that there is a one that is missing here. I don't know how. Could... Anyhow, we got married. And um, do we have some mix-up of the... Let me just see here. No? Anyhow, well, we got married and uh, we began having our life as husband and wife. And of course, at the beginning, everything was just so beautiful, you know. But eventually, little things began coming up. Those things that you discover after you get married. Do you know what I'm talking about? Little things, you know. And you begin saying, why? And depending on your personality, you deal with it in different ways, you know. And uh, I, I begin to develop certain frustrations. And uh, I'm going to share with you now something that is extremely helpful. I'm going to share you, with you how Satan wants to destroy relationships. Notice this, a very, very important thing. Three favorite methods that Satan uses to harden the heart and destroy relationships. I mean, this is the most common way to destroy a relationship. If you learn this and you know by God's grace how to eliminate those three methods from your life, you'll see a complete difference in your life. Now, what are those three methods? Here they are. First one, resentment. Second one, resistance. And the third one, rejection. In that sequence, sometimes they can happen all at once, okay? But usually you build up, okay? So what happened? You first have resentments. Resentments are feelings, emotions, thoughts, uh, things that you feel inside because you didn't like something. Could be something small, could be something big, okay? You have resentment. And that resentment stays in your heart and it becomes root of bitterness. And uh, resentment is truly the, the spirit of Satan. You know, did you know that Satan started in heaven with resentment? That was the first experience he had that we can call sin. It's a mystery, really. But he began with resentment toward God. And when we keep resentment in our hearts, who has the right to be there? Satan. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see what, uh, this is horrible. And then if you have resentment, immediately will, you will have, eventually you will have resistance, which is actually putting the brakes in the relationship. Uh, that man, you know, the woman says, can you help me, sweetheart? And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be there. But uh, an hour goes by and he doesn't even move, you know, because you're not, you're not ready to bless, you're not ready to, to be there for the other person. So resistance can be very, very, destructive for relationships because you may do it so many different ways 
You may go late to bed, you know, you may stay with your phone all the time, you know. Do not connect anymore. Distance begins to separate the two of, the two of you. And then we come to rejection. And rejection takes basically two, two forms. One is anger. Anger is a way of rejecting people. You get angry, and anger has so many different, uh, uh, very ugly faces, okay? It could be yelling, it could be physical abuse, it could be all kinds of things, even death, okay? All of that is in, uh, in what we call anger. But then you got the other way of expressing rejection, which is emotional apathy. Emotional apathy when you begin saying, I don't care. You have your life, I'll have mine. And you begin separating. You see? So these three R's can destroy any relationship. And not talking just marriage. It could be parent-child relationship, friends in church. All kinds of situations can be destroyed by these three R's. Now, if you can identify them, particularly number one, and you, by God's grace, know how to eliminate that from your life, it's totally different. Now, I did not know what to do with this. So I kept on building my resentments, okay? And, and resentment, resistance, rejection, thousands of ways. The, the, the problem with uh, the resentment is that we begin to cultivate feelings and thoughts that cause us to have beliefs, and our beliefs become anchors from which we will act any moment. Oh, she's trying to manipulate me, and she's trying to control me, and she's pushy, and you know, these labelings and these beliefs. And if you don't confess those, if you don't clean your heart from anything that is negative toward anybody, you have contaminated water, you have contaminated spirit in your heart. Okay, eventually, divorce comes to these relationships. And I'm talking divorce. When I say divorce, I'm not just talking about legal divorces. There are people that divorce and they are not even married because they may be uh, brothers in the church and they just disconnect. You know what I mean? It could be a divorce from God even and you keep on going to church. You see, divorce is separating yourself, okay? That eventually comes. Now, in my case, it came, and I was so frustrated, so uh, angry, and I, I disconnected from Alvi. I began, uh, I felt very uh, emotionally empty, and um, Satan knows how to attack us. And I had an experience in another state, I met uh, another woman. Eventually, I was unfaithful to Alvi, and that situation went for a long time. She knew it, and uh, there was a lot of frustration in my heart. Eventually, I, I moved to an apartment. We saw each other a few times a year because it was another state. He was traveling, and, um, but he was there, and it was, it was evil. And I was feeling myself farther apart from God as time went by. It was, it was a, a, something, I hated it, and at the same time, I wanted it. It was, it was a struggle inside me. And time went by, and, uh, and eventually, I remember that uh, I, I, I felt lost, completely lost. 
It was a horrible feeling. I still remember I was in that particular state. It was in Arizona. And I was by myself. I don't, it wasn't in this particular place, but it was similar to this one. It was by, by a lake. It was nighttime. And I, I, I began pleading with God. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And uh, eventually I asked him the question away. I'm not going to share with you exactly how he answered me, but he answered to my question in such a definite, powerful way. I asked him, Would you want, do you want me to go back home? And he said yes, in such a clear way that I simply called Alvi and I asked her if I could go back. Now, I'm so thankful to God that she was in communion with God because she answered me, yes, I never told you to leave. You can come back. And Rene started crying. And he said, how can you forgive me and receive me back? And see, God had done, God had done an amazing work in my heart. He had told me that whenever I am resentful or frustrated with Rene or angry with him, I'm in adultery with Satan. And that my adultery is with Satan is much worse than any adultery between two people. Do you get it? And so he humbled me to the position that is not about what he's doing, but what I am doing. And would I let him cleanse me from my filthiness, that I can extend grace. By grace you receive, you give by grace. And he taught me, you do not receive by grace unless you give by grace. It's what you give that stays in you. So that was so powerful. So Rene came back like an eight-hour drive in the wee hours of the morning. He slipped into bed. God had been preparing my heart for these five years. Uh, when in 1993, I opened on Christmas Eve, early in the morning or in the afternoon, the phone bill. Until then, Rene was in a trip, teaching classes in different universities in South America, and he was paying the bills then. And I opened the phone bill, and I saw all these calls to the same number. I had the confirmation of what I thought. So the, I spent the whole night on the floor crying at Pacific Health in my office. It was cold. The heating was off. And when I thought pr prudent, I called the number. Hello, this is Grace Anderson, massage therapist. These people who like to schedule a wonderful massage. Really? Now I have a phone number, a name, and a profession. 
And I call again. And we talk, finally she answered. We talked many times. She was a sister in the church. And my question to her was, why? If you're a Christian, shouldn't you have encouraged a man that tells you his emptiness, and I'm warning you, shouldn't you have said, go to your wife and learn to love her like Jesus loves? Are we getting it? Let us be faithful brothers and sisters and not take advantage of the vulnerability of men and women when they begin talking about our neediness. And so I developed, by the grace of God, a relationship with grace by phone, once in a while, by letters, once in a while, appealing to her for her own salvation, to repent. The issue was not my marriage, and my greatest pain was not what was happening to me. It was painful, but it was what's happening to my children and what was happening to her. that my husband, a pastor, would use her as much as she was using him, but he was responsible. I learned that she had done the same with a brother-in-law. She had done the same with another pastor. How much more responsible another man has to be to fortify her and not use her. I had to process that bitterness toward her, toward him, tried to minister to her children. Her children began to call me saying, oh, Renee doesn't love you, and why don't you divorce him so he can be free? He loves my mom. My mom is a wonderful mom, and I would minister to the kids. I said, I know. But see, the world is fooling you that this is okay. But for God, it's not such a thing that a man doesn't love his wife anymore. For God is, Renee, you, you, you have a problem in your heart. Why don't you help your mom to do the right thing? And next time Renee goes and visit, you're old enough. Be a man after the heart of God. One thing the Lord put in my heart, that he wanted me to visit with her to offer grace to grace. That was her name. Uh, I tried two times. Two times I had to go and minister a women's retreat for the union in Arizona, <clears throat> in, in Phoenix, and I scheduled a massage with her. One of the friends that was with me scheduled the massage with her, but we would go together. But of course, Renee let her know that I was going, so she disappeared. She didn't want to be seen. She was afraid of me. Another time happened the same. Now Renee's back. Uh, I don't know if two, three, four years have gone by that you're back. 
and we have to go and minister in Phoenix. And we schedule just a few days extra to go to Sedona. How many of you know Sedona? Isn't it beautiful? It's enchanting. Well, that was a place where they often went. And uh, I have gone too. And so we went, had uh, our own safaris and enjoyed the day. And the next day was going to be my birthday. And it was all part of the celebration. And there you have it. And uh, so we were in this beautiful resort. Everything was beautiful. <clears throat> My hair had blown with the wind. It was long and uncolored, and I knew I had to do some work with my hair. So I said, I take, I take a shower tonight. Tomorrow morning, I'll cut my hair and I'll color it. I had brought everything. And at that time, I was used to cutting my hair. So I woke up early. Renee was sleeping. I go to the restroom, and I begin to get my stuff to do all these things. And all of a sudden, I realize something is in my suitcase. So I go to the room, and Renee's awake. And he comes to me and gives me a card for my birthday. Now it happens that that card was on the themes of the card that they used to give each other and I had seen all of that. It just was so painful. So <clears throat> I said, thank you so much, but I stayed quiet. And, and the pain, the memories, all of a sudden, quietly, the tears started coming back. And uh, tears is something that Renan doesn't deal well, well with. And he exploded. What's wrong with you? I knew I could never please you. You're never going to be happy. And he threw himself in bed and, and went on and on. And it's my birth. If he was not angry, I would share, and I, I was hoping he would understand, and it was over, right? But now it would not be over, because I knew it would take a long time. And, and so, um, a draft of strength came on me, and I said, Renee, um, how long will it take you to get over this? An hour? Um, Two, three hours? Um, how long would it take you? Get out of here, I don't care! Okay, okay. I'll get out of here. But if I leave, I won't come back until tonight. I don't care! So I got my purse, the Bible, I was in shorts with just a little whatever top, my hair just like that, not fixed, and I go to the car with hot, quiet tears rolling down my cheeks. And I said, I sat down in the car, I had a prayer, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wanted to go back to the room and, and work it out and see, but I knew that when the evil takes over, 
there's nothing that you can do. And so I drove slowly and I said, Lord, tell me, what do I do? And there was an impression that came, why don't you go and take a massage? Oh, that was cool. I said, that's a good idea. And in, in Sedona, there are many places to go wonder, take wonderful massages. And, and so where do I go? And all of a sudden comes this little bling. Why don't you go to Prescott, to the resort where Grace gives massages and see if she's working there and have her give you a massage. But how do I work it that she would receive me? Uh, go and make a reservation on the phone, no, no cellulars at the time. And, and so I go to the pain phone, I had the number of the resort and, and I call and, and I knew there was a Russian receptionist that answered there and so she answered and I said, is Grace working this afternoon? Yes, she is. Would she have two, um, what do you say? Two slots in a row that um, we could schedule a massage? And she says, yes. I said, well, and all of a sudden, I made up something that I didn't know where it was coming from. See, Ray, Grace knew my voice. And I didn't want her to know that I was me. So this story came up, and you can judge me or whatever, but that's how it came up. I said, you know, I need two appointments for a friend of mine, but she's mute, she cannot talk. So I need to tell you what her massage, what she needs, and, and I explain it. Everything she has fibromyalgia, she has scoliosis, she this this. So could you please pass on that to Grace? Because when Grace Smith gets there, that was the name, me. Um, she won't be able to explain it. So whew, that one is done, and I begin to drive, and all of a sudden, this comes. Alvin. She's so cute, she's so young, she's so pretty, and look at you, old, all wrinkled, and there you go on your gravis, your hair is a mess, no makeup. Oh, Ivy, what are you gonna do? And I began to feel this uncomfortable shame of this older woman with a 10 year younger, beautiful blonde girl. And I said, oh my God, what do I do? And look at the mercy of the Lord. Do you believe God speaks? The thoughts were so clear, Alvi. I want you to go this way. I left heaven and I made myself with no reputation and there was nothing attractive in me. I don't want anything attractive in you because she already is threatened by you. She may be cute and pretty and all of that, but it's the strength of my spirit in you that is threatening to her. So go in a humble position. Forget about yourself, Alvi. It's all about me and her. Wow. And when God speaks, he does amazing healing inside of you. He changes you. So I get to this beautiful resort where everybody's so fancy and open, trembling the door. 
of the club, the, uh, where the, the spa. And as soon as I enter, the receptionist says, Grace me. Oh, just sit down. Grace is going to be here any moment. So I sit down. Pretty soon, Grace came out of one of the rooms, and she looked at me and said, I'll be there in just a moment. I said, she came. She took me to the little room, told me to undress, gave me a form to fill out. So I just put Grace Anderson and nothing else. Smith. Smith. And um, when she came in, and I put my diagnosis, fibromyalgia and scoliosis. So when she comes, she picks up the, the form and she says, oh, Grace Mint, my name is Grace too. Um, so you have fibromyalgia. Uh, how did you get it? I wrote down stress in the marriage. And she began to talk about the stress in the marriage of her sister and that she also had fibromyalgia and I knew all of that. And so I lay down on the table and she began to massage and I began to pray like I had prayed for years that God would bless her. Lord bless her. Bless her, Lord. Bless her hands. Bless her heart. Purify her, Lord. She did my back, and then it was time to face up. And the Lord says, have courage. Look at her face and smile and bless her. And as she worked, I look at her and smile and bless her in the name of the Lord. She was massaging my last arm, standing on this side. There was so much love in my heart for that woman. The heart of God flowing to her. All of a sudden she stopped. She looked at the distance and she said, they say when a woman lives for a long time with her husband, she starts to look so much like him. You look so much like your husband. When she said that, I sat up and I opened my arms and she screamed like if somebody had murdered her and threw herself in my arms and we cried together and we talked and cried for an hour. She could never say I'm sorry. Her questions were rather about why Renee would be interested in her, and I would ask her about the children, and she had remarried, and how things were going, and it's very hard because I had been ruined. And I ministered to this woman, encouraging her to have only thoughts for her husband, that even if she had one thought about my husband, she was committing adultery in her heart. It was an amazing time. 
After two hours, I left. And I was leaving from Prescott, 5,000 feet up in the mountains. I had to go down to the valley, go up the mountains, and go down to the valley, back to Sedona. The heavens were having this amazing monsoon storm. So there were showers here and dark clouds and a rainbow. And showers here and dark clouds and another rainbow. And as I traveled all the way, always there was a rainbow, a rainbow. All these years when I couldn't take it anymore, when I said, Lord, somehow, somewhere, he would give me a rainbow. The rainbows of the promise that I had never lived. And it was like I was singing, and it was like angels were singing songs of victory. And the rainbows in the skies were going with me. I got to Sedona just before sunset, and so I stayed among the rocks to watch the sunset. And then I returned home. I, I returned to the hotel. We went out for dinner. It was quiet, no questions. Very subdued, very light conversation. The next morning, I requested of Renee to please take me to one of the restaurants where they used to go. And I said, I would like to revisit it with you and create new memories. So we did. And then Renee says, I noticed that you drove quite a few miles. Where did you go? And I said, to Prescott, to visit with Grace. And I shared the story. And he said, I knew you would do it. The only purpose I told Grace to come and see you is not to hurt you, not to condemn you, but to bring the love of Jesus and to release you from guilt and shame. You don't need to hide anymore. What a celebration that was. It took her two years to be able to write a letter of apology. And I know that it was sincere, and I praise God for that. Oh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that land symbolizes our heart. God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you have to forgive somebody. Most of the time we have to. Forgive somebody. 
anybody here that has been touched by the Spirit of God and God is telling you, you need to forgive somebody or you need to ask forgiveness from somebody. If that is the case and you feel that you can say, God, I need your help, raise your hand. We are going to pray a special way for you. Oh, many, many hands up. You know, only God can change our hearts. We cannot. And he is so willing to do that. I would like to know if there is anyone here courageous in the spirit of the Lord, in the humility of the Lord, that would like to say, I would like to ask forgiveness of my wife or my, my husband, husband or my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister. Or my ch my or, children. Or children. Uh, for the way I have treated you, or for the bitterness that I, I ask forgiveness for the bitterness or the anger that I have in my heart. Is anybody who would like to be set free tonight by humbling yourself before the Lord? Come, Harriet. Come. What would you like to say? Come. Come, babe. Come here. Come, sweetie. Would you open a way for Harriet? Oh, Harriet, how precious this is. You know what? I, I'm watching you grow, guys. And it's, it's just so humbling to me. I would like to encourage you, like a nursing mom, to turn toward each other and to hold hands and look at each other's eyes. Come on, hurry it only to his eyes and hold on. Stay looking at his eyes. That's hard, isn't it? Try it. And now can you ask him to forgive you? Forgive me? Always. <laughs> yes, she does. It's good for her. It's good. She does, and you forgive her. And when we forgive, what do we do? It's awkward, right? Come on, let go of her arms and embrace her. There you her. go. There you go. These things melt the heart, melt the body, melt the hardness. And also, it allows the love of Jesus and his spirit to flow through your hearts. Yes. Dear God, I'm so blessed to know her yet. To know a little bit more of where she was born and horrible experiences that she went through, the anger that she has experienced toward all the pain and everything, and how she lost the perspective that you are a God of love. She feels that she deserves to be punished because she's so evil, Lord, and tonight all together we pray that you take all those memories and all those feelings Yes, and that Lord. you heal her. Yes, Lord, bless her. That you just flood her with your love. 
And I pray that you give Arnold a heart full of your spirit, Lord, that he may hold her and bless her with sweet, kind, gentle words. And that she may do the same, open their hearts for the rivers of love to flow from your heart to theirs and to each other and also to their children. Bless Chris and bless Mikey and big Chris and the whole family. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. There would be someone else that would like to come, sweetie, come. Who would you like to ask forgiveness of? My daddy. Daddy, come. Would it be your original dad or him too? No, he's talking about his. You say both. You want to start with your daddy here, this one? Okay, come on, Reggie. Would you like to take your hands off your pockets and say, Daddy, I want to hold your hands. There you go. And look at his eyes. And now you talk to him. You try to be specific. Even though that I've been rebellious in the past, and just for turning away from God and not been listening to you or mom. That's for forgiveness. I forgive you and I love you. And, and I know. Don't stay like that. What did the father of the prodigal son did? You, you know, man. because that says, I forgive you, son. <laughs> but he needs to Right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise and you the want Lord. to bring the, the pain about your other father and the anger, maybe. Do you want to give it to Jesus? Sure, what about if you do it through a prayer? Wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> You just say, Lord, I give you the anger and the hate. Oh, okay, I get it. Release it. Take it to the cross. Give I it thought to you Jesus. were talking about something else. It's yeah. <laughs> They're kind and merciful, Father. Dear Father God, you are love. Mm-hmm. And Lord God, though we are so rebellious and we are so angered mm-hmm. by how others treat us, how we called by names or even put down while others may not even see what they're really doing. Lord God, we leave it, I leave it in your hands. Amen. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives. In the, pro- in the parable of the lost sheep, mm-hmm. God, no matter how trouble or how low I have become, 
Lord God, you are always there and standing at the door knocking. Lord God, not in the, oh, I told you so, not in a legalistic, prideful manner. No, Lord, even though that we deserve it, Lord, no, you don't do that. You do it in love. And I just want to thank you for that. Forgive us, Lord, of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from our evil. Amen. For, Lord, you are coming soon. Amen. Lord God, we want to be ready. Amen. Bless us all and use us for your glory. Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, I want to thank you that Rose was able to, try to bring the pain, the hate, the anger to you. And you took it to the cross already, but he's given it to you. And now we ask, Lord, that you fill him with your spirit, with kindness and compassion toward his dad and toward anyone else that have hurt them. Give him the new heart and the new spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like to ask, how many here think that uh, you are moved by God into asking forgiveness from somebody else, and you want to make a covenant with God tonight that you will do that? You will go to that person and ask that person, "Please forgive me for the way I have treated or done or whatever it is." Okay? How many would like to make a covenant with God and do that later on? Okay. Or that, or that you would go and ask for forgiveness that for having a hard heart and that you don't want that anything also. in your heart, that you want to be a Amen. loving Amen. person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, he his hand. Okay. Let, let us close with prayer. Alvi, would yes. you please pray? You know, I feel moved that you guys should pray in groups of two or three, and then we'll pray about so go ahead and pray in little groups, two, okay. max. Okay, two, two or three, and then we Because we'll everybody needs to have the right to pray tonight, okay. right here, wherever you are. Yeah. We can pray with you. Okay. This has been an amazing evening. I would recommend to those of us who raised our hands and said we need to forgive someone, and we're going to do it at a later time, please write their name down so you do not forget, or names if necessary. I'd like to close, unless Alvi and Renee have something else they want to add. Yeah. Well, let me close with this comment and then we'll make mention about tomorrow night and this, this week and this Sabbath. In Matthew 18, many of you are aware, Peter asked Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive someone? And thinking that he's being generous, he says, is seven times enough? Meaning the eighth time, tough luck, you're out. And Jesus answered, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He then continues with a parable 
about a king who forgave a man of a great debt. And the man went out and found someone that owed him, I'm shortening it, and would not forgive him the lesser debt. The king found out later what had happened, brought the first man back in, and he says to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. How many of us have gone to someone and begged them to forgive us for what we've done, including God? Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? As Alvi was saying, the forgiveness, the grace that's given is so that you, in turn, can give grace, can give forgiveness. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And Jesus says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. There was a gentleman that was in class one time. We talked about how his father had asked him for forgiveness on his deathbed. And he went and he saw him and he said, well, I forgive you, Dad. But he admitted in class he really didn't. And he still didn't to that day. And I asked him, I said, how do you feel? He goes, I'm still mad at my dad. And I said, well, how does your dad feel about this? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, what do you mean? How does my dad feel? My dad's dead. He died two, three days after this. And this is now years, many years later. And I said, so your dad's not troubled by this anymore, is he? No. So who's suffering now? When we forgive, it releases us from the burden we carry. This is beautiful what you guys shared. I just wish the entire church had been here because they need to hear this. Have any of you felt like that this week, that there have been messages shared that, man, we should have had everybody here? I've been feeling that almost every night. In fact, I have every night. And it's, it's sad that our whole church doesn't turn, come out for things like this. We need to encourage them. Tomorrow night, where's the, the flyer? Have you guys, there's flyers out by the door if you don't have one. piano and guitar, etc. This is an amazing pastor and with an amazing message and amazing heart for the Lord. And I let us pray that the Lord speaks through him to us, that uh, we are lifted up, we are brought into repentance and transformation. Let's encourage others. We have not done thorough advertisement to this, and we need to do it through emails, text messages, etc. And the, the title is Walking with Jesus. That's his passion. 
is to reconnect, reconnect people with Jesus. Thank you. Dear God, the hours have gone by, <laughs> and I wonder how it was in your time when it lingered late in the night. And yes, we need to get up early, and uh, we need the rest. But oh, how we need these times apart with you. Father, my words are only human words. Only what you take through the Spirit and you plant it in the heart, truth and Spirit will birth a new person. I pray, Lord, that the graves will be open and all our dry bones will come alive. Help us to have joy that you are the deliverer, that you died to forgive us, and that you died to give us a new heart and a new spirit that is loving and forgiving no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Good night.